This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Last week in Squeeze Shortcuts, we got you across some of what's been happening in Alice Springs lately and some of the historical context, most notably the 2007 intervention. In this week on Squeeze Shortcuts, it's a follow-up to that episode. In it, we take a look at the discussion around alcohol and step you through a bit more on Alice Springs itself, what a town camp is, for example, and what the latest report into the problem there has recommended, plus what our governments are doing now. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, as I said in the intro, this is a part two to last week because there's so much in this one, especially for those listening who might not have been to Alice Springs. So with that objective in mind, let's set the scene. First of all, ABS data, love having a look at some ABS data, in 2021 said the population of Alice Springs was around 25,000 people. 5,000 or so are Indigenous residents, so about 20% of the population. 1,000 or so of those live in town camps. And just to explain those a bit, there are 43 town camps throughout the Northern Territory. About 18 of those are in Alice Springs. And they're basically areas that are set aside around the main town or city where Aboriginal people live. A lot of them sprung up in the 60s and 70s. And they were designed to just be transit accommodation for when people came in from remote areas to get services. But over time, they've become more permanent accommodation. Yeah, and if you look at a map, they're literally dotted around the outskirts of Alice itself. Yeah, that's right. Most are within 10 kilometres of the CBD. There's around 1,000 people living in them, as you said, Uh, but it varies depending on the time of the year when there's a big event in town, for example, like an AFL match. uh, Those camps might get a few more thousand people coming in uh, from more remote parts of the Territory. Territorians love their AFL, of course, and are very, very good at it. Claire, whilst they are called camps, residents mostly live in houses. The infrastructure, though, really varies. Some of those camps have paved roads. Others don't have streetlights or reliable electricity or internet. Yeah, and the way those camps are organised tends to be around the homelands of those Indigenous people from where they came. Uh, so, for instance, people in some of the town camps on the northern fringes of Alice tend to come from the homelands of the north, uh, and they share languages, of course. Yeah, and the reason we're talking about these town camps is until July last year, alcohol has been banned in those communities, and we covered this off in last week's Shortcut. That has been something that's been in place for the past 15 years. The bans were then lifted and a lot of leaders in Alice Springs reckon that's what's fueled a crime wave over the past six months. Of course, there's been assaults, break-ins and an increase in domestic violence incidences. When we look at it by numbers, they're all up by more than 50%. Yeah, and that's since those bans came off. And Mm. we know that it's about way more than alcohol, and we'll get into that in a bit. But, yeah, if there's one single thing that a lot of Indigenous women, police, health organisations, 
organisations, officials agree on. Uh, it's that lifting that alcohol ban has made things a lot worse in all of Alice. And that's, of course, because it's fairly easy to get takeaway grog from Alice, bring it back to the camps without those bans in place. Yeah, that's right. And police and Indigenous leaders say that it makes violence worse in both the camps and the broader town. Uh, and it also means that younger people might be escaping violence in those camps. And that's why they're on the streets of the Alice CBD at night time. So the Prime Minister, out of the back of all of this, commissioned a report on what's going on and asked for some recommendations on what should be done. That's been released this week. Let's get into it. As I said a couple of weeks ago, the Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, went to Alice Springs and with the Northern Territory's Chief Minister, Natasha Files, put some temporary restrictions on the sale of alcohol. He said, though, at the time, Claire, that that was just a holding pattern. He appointed a top NT public servant, Darrell Anderson, as the regional controller for Central Australia. He gave her just a week to report back on what needed to happen. Anderson says that it's clear that alcohol has become an issue in Alice that requires urgent action. Uh, And as a simple way of showing that, she said that Darwin uh, has more than five times the population of Alice, but you're more likely to be a victim of an alcohol-related assault in Alice over the past year. Yeah, when you hear residents talking about feeling unsafe, you can see why in the figures that she's quoting. For example, one in 27 people in the town will have experienced an alcohol-related assault over the past year. It's a hard number to wrap your head around. Yeah, and also Anderson says that anecdotal evidence suggests that COVID was a big factor in things getting worse. Mm. Uh, So people were getting extra support payments like JobKeeper. Um, They could get access to superannuation. Uh, She says that a large number of remote community members, um, so towns that might be 50 or even 100 kilometres from Alice, were travelling to the urban centres to consume and to purchase alcohol. But even accounting for a COVID spike, she says things are much worse now in Alice than they were before the pandemic even. Yeah, and those statistics don't lie. Uh, Compared to November 2019, alcohol-related assaults were up 80% and domestic violence with alcohol involved is up 96% on the same period. Before we get to her recommendations, she was at pains to say that history shows that only addressing alcohol is a temporary solution. She made that very clear. The immediate measures put in place will not alone see long-term generational change. It really was a massive asterisk on this. Yeah, and she says that the bans are needed as a circuit breaker. Mm. Um, So her two urgent recommendations are, one, that the Northern Territory government return town camps and nearby remote communities to alcohol-free areas, Uh, and second, that governments work together to deliver funding and services to those communities, and this is the quote, uh, so that the cycle of intergenerational trauma and disadvantage can truly begin to be broken. So taking that first recommendation, the alcohol bans, we know the NT government, Claire, and a lot of those town camps were opposed to returning to bans. They called it a racist policy. They wanted to make their own rules. What did she say about that? Well, what Anderson said, and this is what she wrote, uh, we cannot continue to accept the levels of domestic and family violence leading to assaults on women uh, who are presenting with horrific facial injuries, broken bones, fractured skulls, and in some tragic situations, even death. Uh, She also says that uh, the children who have been spoken to have unanimously voiced their hatred of alcohol and the harm that it inflicts on their families. 
Yeah, she also has said that if those camps choose to reintroduce alcohol, it must only be after serious community consultation. That includes with women and children. She specifically pointed that out. And once they come up with a plan, that would have to be voted on and approved by 60% of residents. Claire, some Indigenous women have warned that ballot processes would need to be policed or it would place them at risk of being pressured into voting in favour of booze. Yeah, that's right. It's just a point of how complicated these things are. Um, And the second main recommendation in the report is also around funding. Um, So Anderson's talking about housing, health services, childcare, education and training. Uh, What she wants to ensure is that all of those services are not entirely based in Alice, but she wants to make sure that police, medical, government, educational services uh, have a footprint in remote communities and town camps. Yeah, and that's because so many attempts have been made before. Darrell Anderson makes it clear in the report that no one entity can resolve these issues quickly. She says it's going to require governments, traditional owners, elders and community groups to fix this together. And if we've demonstrated anything in this shortcut so far, Claire, is that this is a huge, huge challenge. Let's have a look now at how the PM and the NT government have responded to this report. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Claire, the reason we're doing two shortcuts in a row on this topic is that it has not left the news cycle at all. The pressure's been on the Prime Minister and the NT Chief Minister to see what they're going to do about this crisis in Alice Springs. How have they responded to this report? The first thing they've done is to completely adopt the Anderson recommendations on alcohol bans. Uh, So the Northern Territory government says it's going to move pretty quickly to change its laws. Uh, We should see that legislation as early as next week. We touched on it before, but this is a pretty big turnaround for the Territory government in particular because it's been really resisting calls for this, even when there's been plenty of people, even before this crisis really hit the mainstream, warning of the harm that alcohol was doing. Yeah, and that has to do with Chief Minister Natasha Files uh, holding out for so long, and she was criticised for that. Uh, But she now acknowledges that even temporary restrictions, uh, those ones imposed a couple of weeks ago, have provided respite in Alice Springs. Uh, But she also won't lock in indefinite blanket bans uh, on grog in those town camps and those regional communities. She wants communities uh, to have a path out of it if that's what they want to choose. Yeah, and as I said before, the Anderson report does show a path for this to happen. On the funding side of things, the federal government's stumping up $250 million. Do we know where this money's going? 
Well, we can start with what's been announced. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, Prime Minister Albanese committed nearly $50 million, which has really been focused on community safety in Alice. That includes money for extra police, um, security guards in public places, also things like CCTV and lighting. Uh, And there was extra funding for places for young people uh, to go at night if they didn't feel safe. Um, Also, a boost for domestic violence services. That amounted to about $50 million. $250 million is in addition to this. It's a fairly big commitment. Yeah, it really is, particularly for one town. Mm. Uh, But we don't know the finer detail of where it's going to go yet. The press release that was put out with the Northern Territory government points to priority areas. There's six of them uh, rather than giving specific programs or initiatives. So the first thing on the list is improved community safety and cohesion. Uh, What that suggests is that that money will be spent on youth engagement and things like diversion programs. It also talks about job creation, particularly in the communities that surround Alice Springs. Unemployment is a major issue in those areas. Yeah, it really is. And it's also one of those things where there have been multiple failures of government policy. Uh, There was a program under the coalition government that specifically targeted getting Indigenous people into work, but really didn't seem to shift the dial. And we don't really know what the shape of any program on that jobs creation point will be as yet. No detail. No, and another thing the government's flag spending on, uh, improving health services around Alice Springs, that's to take the pressure off the big hospital in town, Mm. uh, as well as preventing and addressing the issues caused by things like fetal alcohol spectrum disorders. Yeah, we know there are much higher rates of FAS, that fetal alcohol spectrum disorder in Indigenous communities, and those in the know say the consequences of that are enormous. The last couple of things it's talking about funding are better support for elders and parents, as well as on country learning. It's really early days and the Prime Minister has called for bipartisan support for all of those measures. Uh, He told Parliament in Canberra that the truth is that all governments could have done better. Uh, By all governments, he means Labor, Liberal, the Northern Territory, also the one in Canberra. Mm. Um, He said, and this is the quote, could have done better. There'll be plenty of people across the coming weeks, months, years that'll have views on where that money should be spent and how it should be spent. But for now, that's your shortcut to Alice Springs. Onto our recommendations. Each episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, we give you some further reading, listening or watching. It's been really heavy on the reading, Claire, the last couple of weeks, but hey, we're readers. What can we say? <laughs> Darrell Anderson's report is actually not huge. You can get through it. It's about 14 pages, but my tip is to read the last page, which is the recommendations. Yep. And of course, can hear already in this shortcut as well, those references to town camps. Uh, As you can imagine, over the years, there's been a lot of negative stuff written about them. So we've got a piece too from The Guardian, which is a few years old now, but it's about a town camp outside Alice called Mount Nancy. Uh, It's as much a nuanced look at both the good and bad stuff as it is anything else. So a good way to get across how that looks. Yeah, thanks for listening into this episode of Squeeze Shortcuts. On a completely different note, we are working on one about AI and chat GPT in particular, Claire. Anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, it's the future. So you want to listen to that one. If you do know what we're talking about, I'm sure you're curious. So uh, stand by for that in the coming weeks. And if you have a recommendation or a request for a shortcut, shoot us an email to hello at thesqueeze.com.au. Until next week. 
Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista, tell your hairdresser, whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.